Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hello and welcome to This Day Rocks from Vintage Rock Pod, the daily podcast looking back on this day in the history of rock. I'm Paul Stevenson. Today is June the 19th and we say happy birthday to a phenomenal lead singer. Turning 72 today is the wonderful Anne Wilson from Heart. And it's also birthday greetings to former ACDC, Dio and UFO drummer Simon Wright. Simon is 59 years old today. But for our story on this episode, we look back at a gig that happened on this day in 1987. Yes, on this day in 1987, Guns N' Roses played their first ever UK gig. Now, after whipping up a storm in the US, the band travelled to the UK determined to build on their steadily growing reputation. The gig took place at the famous Marquee Club in Soho, London, and evoked wild scenes. The band from LA would last three weeks in the UK and would eventually go home victorious, cementing a further army of fans. But one reviewer who was there on that first night was not impressed. Javier Russell gave the show just two and a half stars out of five and included comments like, Guns N' Roses do write good time rocking tunes, it's just a pity they all sound like Aerosmith outtakes, and also included this line, Here's a band that have just made a wonderful album, it's sad they just couldn't reproduce the rawness live. Now with me today is someone else who made the journey from the US to London, Mac B from the Ugly American Werewolf in London podcast. So what's his thoughts on that bad review? Well, that doesn't surprise me. Those guys were such a mess. They, they weren't <laughs> just singing about being dirtbags. They were dirtbags. You know, they were drinking, doing serious drugs, abusing themselves and others. They may give it up on stage, but it could sometimes be a mess. And then even when they broke... Axel could still just be in a bad mood and send 60,000 people home, some with concussions because he doesn't like what's going on. But I had to research a little bit because Guns N' Roses were a slow burn. They did not just take off overnight, right? Mm -hmm. And their first single was, everyone's like, well, it was Welcome to the Jungle, right? No. Their first single was released in the UK. It was It's So Easy. Yep. Uh, which is a little bit of a dirty song. It came out four days. I looked it up, it was June 15th, 1987, that they released this. So you're right, the album wasn't out, but they did release the single, and they come to the Marquee Club, and it didn't chart, of course. did not chart it so easy over here. And then it wasn't until October that they released Welcome to the Jungle, which didn't really do well on either side of the mm -hmm. Atlantic, until David Geffen eventually kind of used his muscles, said, all right, look, play the Welcome to the Jungle video on MTV like at two in the morning or three in the morning, give me like five plays over the next two weeks. And it worked. And they started to blow up from there. And then when Sweet Child of Mine came out, boom, now they're up to being one of the biggest bands in the world. 
What what do you think the legacy was of that initial kind of early period of the band? Now, see, that's interesting because they basically only made two and a half records, right? Yeah. Appetite's a monster and it's a yeah. classic. Lies was half new, half covers, half stuff they'd already done, you know. And then usually, they had two Usual Illusion albums, but really half of it was junk or it wasn't that great. So you boil that down into one album and then that's it. They made a cover album and then Axel took 15 years or whatever to make Chinese <laughs> Democracy, which I've still never heard. It had 20 different people on it, right? So this is a band with two and a half records, yet they go in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame right away. Their greatest hits album comes up, which has a bunch of covers on it, and it's still a huge hit on both sides of the Atlantic. <laughs> I think them getting back together, even though it wasn't with everybody, uh, it's, it's basically Duff and Slash and Axel. There's still an appetite uh, <laughs> for Guns N' Roses. I don't know. They're more than a flash in the pan. They were about five years there. They were enormous, yeah. but they're kind of irrelevant for 20 years after that. And then now they're back as a legacy act. So I don't know, a product of the sleazy 80s LA. Let's make it as big as we can. Use Geffen to make it as big as we can. And we'll make it huge, and then it fades away. It's it's very American. A big thank you to Mac from the Ugly American Werewolf in London podcast. Definitely check out the show he does with co-host Action Jackson. It's always a good listen and always at the top of my podcast list each week. Well, that's it for June the 19th, then. No, this day rocks tomorrow because I've got episode 67 to bring you, featuring an interview with a Rock and Roll Hall of Famer who's recorded and toured with legends like Tina Turner, Eric Clapton, Bob Dylan, Dylan, George Harrison, Elton John, Rod Stewart, Roger Daltrey, Van Morrison. Honestly, the list goes on and on. So do not miss it. It's out tomorrow. Until then, though, take care. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.